You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Hey everyone, welcome to Burley Church Online. Um, I know what you're all thinking. Um, you're thinking, what a marvellous moustache. <laughs> um, you may not be thinking that, um, but there is a moustache on my face and um, we are doing a, our, my, the local church community here, the guys are, um, a few of us guys are doing, um, we're raising awareness and funds for Movember and so I'll pop the link in this video's description if you want to check that out and what that's about, but basically it's about raising awareness around prostate cancer and men's mental health and so um, yeah, check that out below, but that's the reason for this um. <laughs> for this this week uh, if you're listening on the podcast you will have no idea what I'm talking about but you might be able to sense the extra wisp on my voice from the moustache hey look um first I just want to give a um well first of all welcome it's great you can join with us this way online uh, but I want to do a I'm going to get into the sermon in a moment where we're talking about parables but I want to give a pastoral comment and acknowledge some things that are going on in our world right now um, you would have noticed, particularly coming from America, but it's also in Australia as well, there's this black and white religion of politics that is just all over our screens at the moment. Like Israel in the Old Testament, we as a world, as a planet, are crying out for a king. Our world is, it's in our bones, it's in our creation. We are crying out for a saviour, a leader. And for many of us, we believe that comes through. For many of those in our world, we believe the answer to the kingdom comes in political views and political leaders. Something in our Christian or non-Christian hearts long to be back in the garden, long for the kingdom to be made right. American politics, for example, have interesting points on both sides, and I'm not actually condoning or endorsing anyone as a church or as a leader, but it's interesting that the pro-Bidens are talking about a kingdom where we look after the poor, where we look after the disadvantaged. And then it's interesting the pro-Trumps looking at American politics are talking about the sacredness of life and anti-abortion. Very similar ideals coming out in our Australian politics as well. And I guess the question that most of us are asking is which one's right? And um, I'm not going to tell you that because <laughs> I don't reckon that's the right question as a church we need to be asking ourselves. I guess the goal of the church to inform you, as James kicked off last week, is to encourage you today that the king of the kingdom you desire is Jesus, full stop. The fruit you see in this world, everything that is good is it is whether it's that Western everything that is good in Western civilization, I believe, comes from Judo Christianity, comes from the teachings of Jesus, comes from his moral standard, comes from his kingdom teaching. Whether it be university, schools, healthcare, family, even science, comes and has its roots from the church. And so, of course, it's made mistakes. But God has never made mistakes. It's his kingdom. He is the king. And anyone else may be helpful, and we should certainly pray for our leaders, and we should certainly pray for our votes in different areas and different politics. But everyone else is just a watered-down version. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. So the question for us as a church 
should be how do we better understand the king and how his kingdom works. And that's exactly where this series comes from. As James kicked off last week about the, these parables being a way that Jesus explains his kingship, his kingdom, how he views the world. James telling us last week at exactly what I just recapped, that he is Lord and that he is king. So let's unpack this next parable. Actually, we're going to go right through Matthew 13 over the next two weeks. But let's unpack the start today. Let me read. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and the great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Matthew 13. How's that question? I want to stop there. Why do you speak in parables, Jesus? What a question. I can we've all asked that question in some form or shape as we read or we do life with Jesus. Why why do you why aren't you more obvious, God? Why don't you appear in the sky? Why why you sometimes do you feel so quiet? Why do you tell stories that are part riddles? Why would you do that, God? Why would you tell stories that are sometimes hard to understand or take us a bit of time to think about? The answer to this question, these questions tells us so much about the king. Tells us so much about Jesus, his kingdom and his purpose for us. So let's continue reading. Super important. He answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given, talking about the crowds, the Pharisees, everyone else. For to the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance, but the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, and he quotes Isaiah. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull, and with their ears they barely hear, and their eyes they are closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn around, and I would heal them. Repent, turn to him and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, this is to the disciples, for they see your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus tells them who he is speaking to in the parables. He tells his disciples they have something in their lives that the crowds do not have. 
that the intellectuals in the crowd do not have, that the Pharisees do not have. He even says the disciples have something that helps them understand that the prophets didn't even have in full. The righteous, he says, didn't even have. They longed for this thing. And so the question to be, what did the disciples have? What did they have that made allowed them to understand? And it was a relationship with Jesus. That's what the disciples had, a growing relationship with Jesus. The prophets knew elements of God through dreams and the righteous knew before him, but they did not have this level of connection with Jesus. John 10, 25 tells us exactly this. Listen to this. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. She said, you don't know me. It doesn't matter what I do, what I teach. The crowds, these Pharisees, the intellectuals, everyone else, you do not know me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I am the father I and and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another 60 and another 30. Jesus telling the crowds, affirming this, even though they see miracles, even though they saw Jesus teaching, those that truly understand are those that seek him, those that try to understand him, want to know him, have a relationship with him. Have a relationship with Jesus. Some of you will seriously, you might hear this and you might go, well, duh. <laughs> so, uh, but I want to, I, want, I understand that. It, it doesn't that seem obvious. A relationship with Jesus would let us know him. But I want you to sit with that for a moment. Because Jesus wanted his disciples to learn something in this about the way he spoke, about the way he drew them in, about what he wanted for them. Take a second to think about this. As I reflected on this, this flies in the face of so many ways we get we fall into about talking about Jesus and his kingdom. Let me give you an example. Last week, James kicked off that Jesus is not our butler. He's not our genie. He's not our magic lamp. Jesus is not a transactional deal. His kingdom is not a one-off decision, a ticket to the heaven train, and then you just sit there. That ticket train, <laughs> to, the, the train to heaven that you get your ticket for is a comforting idea and is a true idea, especially for those on their deathbed, especially for a man hanging beside Jesus on a cross. But it's not the full picture. If Jesus wanted everyone to just tick a box, quickly raise their hand one time and never think about it again and accept him, he would just appear in the sky and scare us all into it. No, Jesus wants a relationship. He gave a similar choice to Adam and Eve to choose to have him as their God and to walk in the cool of the evening with him through the garden and build something serving him or try to be their own God. 
he speaks like him. He speaks in, sorry, he speaks in parables. He speaks in things that allow or invite people to pursue him and for him to remain in them. He wants us to pursue relationship. You're allowed to try and be a God if you want. (laughs) You can make a God, as we spoke about, out of a politician, as a favorite leader. You can make a God out of your pastor. Maybe AI, maybe tech, maybe Google. Go ahead. You have freedom to do that. But as Jesus says here, for those that have ears to hear, putting it back on the listener, for those that, as James said last week, can stop for a moment and stop thinking about themselves, there is an invitation here to follow, to be captivated, captured, to serve the king. And what's even insane is not only do you get to serve him, but then he will actually allow you to grow and contribute to the kingdom he's building. Don't take my word for it, though. It's not just a nice thought this morning. Here's the last bit of this passage from Jesus. Listen to what he says. This is him. He's gathered the disciples and now he's explaining to them further. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, so takes the time to reflect or think or consider, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is for the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, hasn't taken root. (laughs) So he endures for a while, but then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Things get hard and he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this one who hears the word but then cares of the world and its deceitfulness of riches, it chokes the word and it proves unfruitful. And for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. There's an action to it, hears it, takes it in. So for us, for you at any age, any stage of life, hear this challenge afresh. As you hear the gospel afresh this morning, that Jesus proved his goodness on the cross. He opened up the choice through his death and resurrection and invites you, not forces you, not scares you into it, but invites you to follow him. He's not going to scream at you. He's not going to give you a fancy campaign Logan slogan. Logan. He's not going to give you a fancy campaign slogan. He is God. He's not trying to sell you a bag of beans. He is God. He's calling you to follow him, inviting you, if you will. Will you accept like the first seed, but you're so busy or preoccupied by this world that you don't take time to understand it? So it's a loss. I think those watching today, those that are in church, those that are amongst us, I don't think that fits a lot of us because you're here trying to understand the word. You've logged in, you're pursuing the truth. The second one to consider, the seed. You hear it. You get it. It's awesome. In fact, everything's awesome. But then it's not. Something happens. You suffer. You have persecution. Life doesn't give you exactly what you thought you would get out of it. The news, the gospel didn't 
go deep enough. So the trial, the hardship and the suffering is that moment when you walk away and reject it all instead of leaning in to the only one that can do a work in that. And then there's, I guess there's two last ones, but the last one, and I guess it's a big call, and I, I think it's kind of us. In, as I spoke about two weeks ago, as the remnant, as the exiles living amongst this chaotic world. I feel like the seed sown amongst the thorns sometimes. The world can be so attractive, especially when living on the Gold Coast. If I'm honest with you, I find it hard. The looks, the lifestyle, the money, the distractions, the greener grass. I can tell you, not a lot, but I've had 100% days where I'll stand out on the hill outside the church on my way home as I pack my bag and I'll stand out there and I'll look at all the different businesses and look at Stocklands and look around and look at all the different things people are doing. And I do, in my weakness, occasionally think, there's got to be an easier job. (laughs) Maybe it'd be just easier just to go make money somewhere and lots of it if possible. It's alluring. The Gold Coast sells something to us. It's these thorns around us. And there's nothing wrong if you're making money. There's nothing wrong if you've got a business. But there's different things we're tempted by. But guess what? Those thoughts, those temptations never come on a week where I've been in his word constantly. They never come in a week where I've been praying each morning for his will to be done. When I've been spending time in silence with him. When I've been spending time thanking him for everything he's doing in my life. Listening in understanding. It's in those weeks I know there is no better place than the place God has got you and me in him and him in you. It's those days, those weeks where the relationship is building that the thorns aren't as attractive, that the world is not that attractive because we're in and understanding the growing and coming kingdom. For thousands of years, the Jewish um, people would pray something called the Shema. And it's this, it's Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5. They pray this every morning and every night and, and still do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Obviously, Jesus took this and added to it when he walked amongst us around telling us also to love our neighbor. But they'll they'll say this every morning and every night and reflect on God, loving God with all of them, building that relationship. The first word, hear, is where the whole prayer gets its name from, Shema, which actually meant more than just let sound waves hit your ears. <laughs> it, actually, it actually means more than just listen to someone or pay a little bit of attention. It's stronger than that. Shema means pay attention, full attention, focus on, respond to, act on. It's the same reason Leah in the Bible calls her baby boy Simon. Shimon, 
which actually means is she is saying, God, you have not just heard me, but you have responded as well. God wasn't just up there going, awesome work, Leah. Love what you're doing. Listening. He listens and responds, Shema Shimon. Which is where, which is where roughly, fun fact, roughly you get the Simon and you get Simon. Fun, fun, fun fact, because he's here right now behind the camera every week serving us in this way. Samal is actually the Portuguese word for Simon. So for those that are still struggling to say his name, <laughs> including me for a long, long time, um, Samal is simply the Portuguese version of Simon. So fun fact for you in fellowship today when you speak to him next. He's laughing at me now. Anyway, same word is used here, Shema, to live in the kingdom of God, to live under the king, to be soft soil church is to Shema, to listen and respond, to not just hear, but to act on, to grow towards This is what it means to be actively part of the kingdom. This is what it means to be his disciples and understand the parables, his teaching, his voice. This is what it means to be involved in. It's funny, I caught up with a friend recently and he had his first baby. And we sat down, I hadn't seen him in forever, but under the bags under his eyes and under the lack of sleep, he had this twinkle in his eye as we talked about his son, as he talked about his first first baby. And he said to me this, I'll never forget, he said, Steve, I've heard dads talk about this, I've heard parents talk about kids, but I've never understood. He goes, it's kind of like I've now been accepted into this club. I understand now. I'm in this club. And this isn't just parents. I feel the same way when I see, when some of the guys at our church get excited around fishing. <laughs> I've never really caught a fish before. So I don't really understand why they would spend. I'm not in that club. I don't understand their excitement around fishing rods and spots and fish. I'm not I, I'm not actively involved. I haven't responded. I don't know the language around that. Like this young dad who's now been let into this secret, if you will. Like these these fishermen groups that have been let and and, and if I was to go with them and catch a big fish and I'd understand the excitement, I'd be let into this secret. These parables didn't make much sense to the Pharisees. They didn't make any sense to the crowds that were looking for entertainment. They're just looking to be fed milky goodness, soft drink, sugary good stuff that's easy to digest and just go on with their lives. That's the difference, church, between building an audience or building disciples. That's the difference for us if you choose to be just audience or actively involved as disciples. Stuff becomes clear. You understand somewhat secrets of the kingdom because you're in it. This stuff is, is, is your everyday life. So church, I've asked this before and I'll keep asking as long as you have me. <laughs> what is God saying to you? And if you don't know, if you're sitting there going, I don't know, then please, Shema, Shema, 
the things we've been saying for the last six months. This is why we've been saying it, not to entertain you, not to build audience, not to give you fun facts. We've been saying for the last six months, encouraging you, inviting you to build a rhythm of listening and responding. What is God saying to you? What are you doing about it? Are you involved? Are you in it? Are you fishing or are you just hearing stories about fishing? Or great stories about someone that caught a fish 2,000 years ago? Or are you in it today? Do you just look forward to hearing what missionaries are doing or your pastor's stories about what he's doing or your leadership team about what they're doing? Or are you in it? Do you have those stories? Because you're actively involved. You're listening through the rhythms, through reading the Bible, through prayer, through deeper community, asking questions, wrestling through small tables, and then responding, acting, doing, both in one action, Shema, and contributing to the kingdom. There's no better place (laughs) than being in the kingdom that has the true king in charge. So three questions out of this parable today. And we'll continue on the rest of the parable next week. What things allow you to hear God's voice and his spirit stirring? Let me say that again. Question number one, what things allow you to hear God's voice and his spirit stirring? When I say, what is God saying? I don't mean a voice from the heaven. I mean, you actively having ears to listen. Are you stopping and creating a rhythm where you listen? We've talked about it the last three weeks, 12 minutes a day, and you'll read the entire Bible. That's just probably the minimum we could do to start listening, to posture ourselves with a listening ear. Start there, and out of that 12-minute of reading, ask yourself, what is God saying to you through the Scripture? So what things allow you to hear God's voice and his spirits stirring? Number two, what has God been saying to you lately? And number three, what are you doing about it? How are you responding? How are you living in it? Three questions for you. Ask each other. Ask your small tables this. If you don't have a small table... I don't know, wherever you're meeting with other Christians here, before you start talking about the weather, before you start talking about your day, before you start, I don't know what you might be talking about. Can I encourage you to ask those questions? Hey, what's God been saying to you lately? And what are you doing about it? What can I encourage you with? What can I challenge you with? Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that There's an invitation there for all of us, Lord. You are not trying to force. You're not trying to scare us. We can do what we want. We have a free choice, Lord. But Father, for many of us listening to this today, tonight, whatever time, I just just pray that you would lead us deeper into relationship with you that we would be able to, in a world surrounded by thorns, (laughs) have soft soil. Allow your news, allow your gospel, allow the relationship with you to grow. 
allow us to remain in you, but more importantly, for you to remain in us. Father, let us find rhythms in our regular life to listen. Let us find ways to encourage and challenge each other then to obey, to respond, to acknowledge, to understand, to shema. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these parables. And thank you as you continue to work through your scripture in this local community and online as we we look to participate with you in the divine work of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. Looking forward to seeing you next week and uh, looking forward to you seeing you on all our online socials and telling us about what God has been doing and what he's a part of in your life. Till then, see you then.